Well, this morning we are in Luke still, as we've been looking at these songs that are written down in the beginning of Luke. And these songs all revolve around the birth of Jesus. And so as we've taken the time during this Advent season to remember that Jesus did not come on the cross. He, was not, he didn't just appear on the cross. He was actually born to a, to a virgin, which is crazy. And we looked at some of that last week in Mary's song. He lived a life. He was in the flesh and blood. He was the ages that all of us are either at or we have been. And so Jesus was very real. He was, he is Emmanuel, God with us. And so we've looked at these songs that are sung because of the advent, because of the arrival, because of the coming of this Christ. And so we've remembered Zechariah's song of hope. We've looked at Mary's song of joy. We've seen the angels, the, the, the host of angels, sing a song of peace. And this morning, we get to see this obscure man, a man that we probably don't even know too much about, a man named Simeon, and we get to hear his song of love, that, that his salvation has come. Last week it felt really familiar, it felt comfortable when we talked about Mary having a baby. This week we're still talking about Jesus as a baby, but we're talking about a man holding a baby. Um, that is not as comfortable for some people. I think about Eli, and one of the stories that he likes to use whenever we're together is, and he's introducing himself to somebody, is that I handed him a baby one time when Boaz was really young. And so I did it as a joke. I thought it was going to be funny to see him kind of be uncomfortable, but, but he figured it out real fast. And he figured out how to make this baby stop crying and just hold him and be comfortable. Well, that's just one instance of a man holding a baby. But today we get to see Simeon and his comfort and his joy in holding this baby is recorded for us for a reason. Like this is the song of, of love, of adoration, of beauty that we should all sing when we think of this baby Jesus. Doesn't matter. You don't have to be the baby's mother like Mary was to, to realize the gift that you have. Simeon, by the, by the work of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the Spirit, his eyes are opened and he sees that in this baby that he's holding, salvation has come. And so let's read that together. We're in Luke chapter 2. We're really going to press into the, the middle of this section and the song, but I want to give you some context. So we're in Luke chapter 2, and we'll read verses 22 through 35. Luke 2, 22 through 35. It says this, And when the time came for the, their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, 
Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will be pierced through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of your word. Pray that our hearts would be stirred to sing today. But to do that, we don't need an inspirational story. We don't need all the accoutrements that would create a a spiritual experience. God, what we need is the miracle of the Holy Spirit taking our hardened hearts of stone and giving us hearts of flesh. We need the miracle of, of the scales being removed from our eyes so that we can see Jesus in his beauty and in his glory. We need the, the miracle of ears being opened to hear the good news today, the miracle of tongues being released to shout praise and honor and glory to God. God, we need you today, and so we would ask that you would do that. Do what only you can do. Be magnified in us. Be glorified in us. May the word not return void. God, may it go and do your will and your work today. Not just in this place, in this room, but throughout Brevard County, Lord. God, the many churches that would gather around the good news of your gospel today, Lord, may they see and hear Jesus. God, for throughout the U.S., Lord, throughout the world, we thank you that we are joining with the chorus of of those who have gone before us and those who will come after us, Lord, to sing your praises. And so, God, we ask that you would do this miracle in us today. Not simply for our comfort, although it is the thing that would satisfy us most, but most of all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we talked a little bit about this guy, Simeon. And so as we think about that, Maybe you've never heard of Simeon before. And so we're just going to look and see what do we know about Simeon from this passage. Who was Simeon? And I think if you start in verse 25, you have both a very simple and a very complex description of this man, Simeon. It says this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So Mary and Joseph have their firstborn son, Jesus, and so because they were Jews and they practiced what was given to them in God's word, they went and dedicated Jesus in the temple. And they they give Jesus, their firstborn, back to God. And as they're doing this, this man Simeon hears of it, and he's actually being led by the Spirit. They're being led by the Spirit to go and obey, and Simeon is being led by the Holy Spirit of God too. 
I think as we begin to kind of unfold this who was Simeon, we start with full of the Holy Spirit. He is a man who is full of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God that produces faith in each one of us. If any of us would have true faith, it's because the Spirit has done a work in our hearts that you and I didn't do, but God has done it. And it's a gift to us. And so we would rejoice in that, that, that we are full of the Spirit of God. Simeon has the Spirit in him that's given him the gift of faith. And it's a gift of grace. It's always been a gift of grace. What we're going to see is that, that he walks in righteousness, that he is devout in his worship. But that is not what defines him. First and foremost, he's full of the Spirit which produces those things in him. He's full of the Holy Spirit. And what is he waiting for? It says he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. So Simeon lives in Jerusalem. He knows the story of God. He knows that God is going to redeem and save his people. And as we look at this consolation of Israel, consolation might not be a word that you're too familiar with. Consolation means comfort. It's a promised comfort. The ESV study notes say that consolation, the Greek paraklesis, is consolation or comfort. It's the hope that God would come to rescue and comfort his people. This isn't new. Simeon stands at a long line of believers who would hope and trust that God is going to fulfill his promise and come and be the comfort to his people. Isaiah has a lot of this language in his prophecy. Isaiah 40 verse 1, he says, Comfort, comfort my people, says our God. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 say this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. This consolation of Israel is a promise that you see throughout Scripture. That God will have a people. That He will be their God and they will be His people. But remember that during this time, they've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this to actually take place and happen. But Simeon is given a particular promise. A particular promise that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ, as you see in verse 26. The Spirit had given given him this promise that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so, Simeon is clinging to this. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's waiting for this promised comfort, this promised consolation. And what does it look like as he's waiting? He, these two words, this man was righteous and devout. As we kind of unearth what these words mean, Righteous is this inner thing that's happening, and devout is this outward religious obedience. Right? He was devout, and he had a righteousness in himself. He lived with character and upright before man and before God. Righteous means just, he was correct, he was innocent. 
points to that inward goodness of character. And that inward goodness was being portrayed in his being devout. He was God-fearing. He was devoted to the Lord and he practiced that devotion through his religion. It's, it's a word that's not used a lot in the Bible. I, I did a little word search on devout. And really, Luke is the one who uses this word. He uses it here in, in his gospel, but he also uses it as he points to people in the church in Acts. And so this, this being devout was not just that outward you know, religion of doing good things, but it was, it was a true religion that was produced by the Holy Spirit, both in Simeon and in the church after Pentecost, where they're filled with the Spirit. And what does that lead to? It leads to a devout worship of God. And so, while we don't know a lot, we don't have a lot written about Simeon, what's written is powerful. Like, I read it and I'm like, man, I want to be like that. I want to be that guy. I want to be someone that, that people would look to, to and, and there would be an inner righteousness that be, is acted out in my daily life. And so we're given Simeon as this example, and all of that is being produced, not by himself. So we don't see it as an example and be like, okay, I need to produce that in my own life. I just need to read my Bible more. I need to go to church more. I need to attend more things. No, this is all produced by the power of the Spirit. So then... If that's what we want to be, we beg God and say, God, would you, by your spirit, do this in me? Will you make me into this kind of person? Because what we see is that all of this leads Simeon to sing this song. That's who Simeon was. Well, let's look at what God's promised to Simeon. We already looked at it a bit in verse 26, but he continues to expound on it. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. The promise that God had given to Simeon by the power of his spirit was that he would actually see the Savior. I imagine as he continues to grow old, I don't know when the promise was given, but if it was given, you know, five minutes, I would get tired of waiting those five minutes. But Simeon might have had the promise for years and never seen it. But each day he's waking up and he's trusting that God is going to be... He's going to fulfill, he's faithful, he's going to fulfill the promise that he's given him that one day he's going to see his Savior. And I love that it says, and he was led by the Spirit. He came in the Spirit to the temple. The temple, or the Spirit, is working in you and I to see how God fulfills his promises. To see how God is faithful. To see how God is mighty to save. That's what the Spirit does in us. It opens our eyes so that when we behold Jesus, we see him for who he is. He came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon goes and he takes him up in his arms. This baby, right, not, not more than a couple months old at this point. And in this child, 
Simeon sees the salvation, the consolation of Israel. All of his hopes and dreams are seen in this baby that he's holding. You and I see babies, and maybe at best we think they're really cute. At worst, we see them as a problem and kind of a drain on our lives. Something that you have to change their diaper and they're going to cry in the middle of the night and you're not going to get a lot of sleep. But Simeon sees this baby and he sees in the baby the hope of everything that he had longed for. That is a miracle and that is the working of the Spirit to take eyes that normally don't see Jesus and open them so they can see Jesus. That's what you and I need today. So you and I need every day. We need eyes that would be open so that we can see what Jesus is doing. So that we can remember what he has done in his gospel work. And so that we can remember that he's still on the move. He's still doing things. He's still reconciling and changing and bringing life where there was only death. And bringing healing where there was brokenness. Jesus is doing those things. But if we're too busy in our own sin and if we're not begging God by the power of his spirit to open our eyes, we're going to miss it. So we ask God and we beg him, Lord, would you open my eyes today? Would you give me eyes to see like Simeon? It says that he would see the Christ. That he would see the Christ. The Christ means the anointed one. And so this Christ that was longed for, it's it's been the hope of God's people forever. It was a promise that was given to him by God through the power of His Spirit, but it was given throughout Scripture. He would see the Anointed One, the Lord's Christ, the One that had been prepared to save the world. Listen, we go all the way back to the very beginning. In the garden, after the fall, God promises that He will send one, an Anointed One. One that would crush the serpent. The One that would defeat sin and death for you and for me. We see in the story of Abraham and Isaac that God would send a sufficient lamb, an anointed one, that would be sufficient for the sin that you and I have committed. He would be the sufficient sacrifice. We see the perfect king that's been promised in the line of David. David was amazing and and everyone was so excited to have a king that would lead them in the ways of God. But David was flawed and he was actually pointing to one who would come, an anointed one. We see the suffering servant prophesied about in Isaiah 53, the anointed one who would come and would save us from our sin. And in this moment, Simeon is holding this babe, and in this small child, he's seeing all of those promises fulfilled. And what does that cause him to do? It causes him to sing. Verse 29. And now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Man, that's beautiful. That's profound. That's the, the sum of the whole gospel wrapped up in a couple sentences. Maybe one sentence. One run-on sentence. Right? And it's beautiful. Everything that they had hoped for is found in this babe. And he's going to come and he's going to reconcile a wayward people to a holy God. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I want to write it on my wall. I want to have a a sticky on my 
mirror in the morning, something that I see all the time, for my eyes have seen your salvation. The Psalms are full of this singing that salvation has come to you and to me. And so Simeon has a very distinct and real promise to him. He knows that in this baby, his salvation rests. But he's also, like Mary and the gift that she had been given of the baby, and how it was an individual gift, it's also a corporate gift. Simeon knows that this gift is actually a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I love this. We've had promises throughout the Old Testament that Israel would be redeemed, that they would be brought back and reconciled to their God. And we've had hints, little blurry images that actually there's more to it. There, there might be more people that are being brought into this thing. There are people that were not of the Jewish heritage that were actually grafted into the people of God throughout the Old Testament. But here Simeon's really clear. He's saying, not only is this babe that I'm holding the glory of the people of Israel, he's also saying it's a light of revelation to the Gentiles. I'm not Jewish by heritage. So for me, this Jesus that comes to the Gentiles is incredible news. It means that, that God has expanded who He has chosen to include you and me today. That He is a light to the Gentiles. That He has come for you and for me. And the faithful promise to Israel, to God's people. You see, this promise to the world is exactly what we talked about as we lit that fourth candle. The candle of the song of love. This is the love that God has made manifest in His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. God has sent this Son not to condemn us, but to save us. This is the love of God. And the response of the love of God in Simeon's heart is a, is a response of love. He holds this babe tenderly and he rejoices in it. It's a very tender and beautiful moment. What a gift to be able to do that. And then Paul picks up this idea in Romans that says that, man, Jesus came not simply, not, and I say simply because not, not only, so there's nothing simple about him coming to redeem Israel. That's beautiful and complex and powerful. But he's also come to re redeem and to save the Gentiles. Romans 1, 16 and 17 say this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Simeon is holding this baby and all of these thoughts, the beauty of the, the reconciling work of God, the beauty of the promise of God being fulfilled, the beauty of God going into 
Egypt and taking his people out of captivity and out of slavery modeled for us what Jesus would come and do in a more real and more full way. That he has come as the light of the world and he shines into the darkness and he saves sinners like you and me, broken people, and rescues us. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I think if we stop there, it's got this beautiful, sweet ending, but we need to read more. Simeon goes and he, he actually talks to Mary particularly. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. He's saying, listen, this is actually going to be a stumbling block. This is actually going to be hard for some people to believe that this babe, this tiny little babe, is the salvation of the world. And so he's, he's honest about it. There's going to be some who would believe and put their hope in this babe, and there's going to be some who would reject him. Some who would yell, crucify Crucify, but even those, some of them are going to be saved in the midst of their own rebellion. If any of us have been saved, we've been saved in the midst of our rebellion, which is beautiful. But Simeon's honest with Mary, and he says, Listen, it's beautiful and it's really good, but there's going to be hard things that come with Jesus, with the salvation that he brings, because there are going to be people that are opposed to it, people that reject it. Because God's going to reveal the hearts of men through Jesus. Today, maybe he's revealing something in your heart. Maybe your eyes haven't been opened. And you're really wrestling with this. Like, I, I don't believe that a baby could save me. I don't believe that even a baby that grows up to be a man and does all these wonderful things save me. Maybe today you don't even think that you need saving. I know that's, that's my struggle so often is I think that I'm doing good things. Why do I need a Savior? And then by grace, God reveals my sin to me. He reveals where I've been short with my wife. He reveals where I'm, I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I want things my way. He reveals these things to me not to condemn me but to show that I need a Savior. And then immediately, almost every time, right behind that, that conviction is the promise that I have been saved, that my Savior is sufficient, that He's good enough. Now, sometimes it takes a minute. Sometimes it actually takes one of you coming alongside and being like, Joel, don't forget that your Savior is sufficient for you. So we get to remember that together, but, but that truth sustains us. That truth is the faithful thing that will, that will hold us. That's the confession that we make. But today, maybe you don't think you need a Savior. I pray that God would lift the scales off our eyes so that we can see our need. Maybe you think you do need a Savior, but Jesus is not sufficient. Maybe you think that that was 2,000 years ago, and what does that have to do with me today? I pray that God would, would give you the gift of belief and faith and trust that that 2,000 years ago, the gospel that Jesus worked, the gospel that he lived, his perfect life, his death and his resurrection in power and in glory is for you today. Because that's what we need. 
And not just for salvation, but for everyday life. We need to believe that He was sufficient then. And His sufficient work by the power of His Spirit is changing us. Conforming us and transforming us to His image. For His glory. And that's where we find our satisfaction. Maybe today you you know Jesus. You rejoice in Jesus. And all this is doing is giving you another song to sing. Man, praise God. Praise God, because that's what he's doing in my heart. But in five minutes, I'm going to need to be reminded. (laughs) I'm going to need to hear it again. Man, today, my eyes have seen your salvation. And I rejoice in that. You see, seeing Jesus, anytime we see Jesus, it produces a song. Maybe it's not a melody. Maybe we don't sing. Maybe we sing off key like I do. Don't worry about it. The beauty is that he's producing a song, a joy-filled song, a song of love, a song of remembrance, a song that we get to sing in the way that we live out our lives. The way you do your homework can be changed by how the song that you're singing. Are you singing a song that would say, I shouldn't have to do this? Are you singing a song that says, this is too hard? Are you singing a song that says, man, this is what God has put before me today. My eyes have seen Jesus and I just rejoice in this. I'm going to do it in joy. It can be that simple. All of us are doing something. Are we doing it with this song that Jesus has produced in our hearts and lives today? The psalmist picks up this idea or has this idea of salvation. Simeon is probably quoting from Psalm 51, 12. It says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. You see, these New Testament songs, are being, they've been crafted out of Old Testament songs. Jesus coming is not some new thing that, that we just forget about the old. No, the old, has, the old Testament has been shaped and fashioned in a way that we would see Jesus when He comes, and we've been given songs to sing when He comes. And so Simeon rejoices that his eyes have seen His salvation, just as Psalm 51 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. So this morning, the call is to repentance, yes, but it's also a call to sing. A song to sing. A call to sing with your whole life. Pray that the Holy Spirit would dwell in you in such a way that as, you, as you're given obstacles, as you're given hardships, as you're giving suffering, you would sing. As you're giving things that are really good, especially as we're in this Christmas season where we all get good gifts, that we would sing, not of the gift, but of the good gift giver. I pray that we would remember to sing today. This morning you don't know Christ and you feel like your eyes are blind. I have a promise that God is here today. That if we knock, He opens the door. We have this gift that Jesus is right here today. And while I'm not holding this sweet little baby, we behold Christ. The promised one, the anointed one has come. And he has done everything required for our salvation and to redeem a people for himself for his glory. So today we rejoice. If you're seeking this morning, he's not far. He's available. And I pray that we would take advantage of that. If you want to talk with somebody and, and 
get, get more in the weeds of that, we would love to do that. Like that's, that's the whole reason we gather on Sundays is so that people would hear and see Jesus. And if it's for the first time, man, that's so exciting for us that we get to do that together. And if it's for the millionth time, that's so exciting for us that we get to do that together. But don't be afraid. Like if, this, if today you feel like God is, is here and, and He's knocking and you want to respond, let's talk about it. Let's do that together. Again, if today it's just a reminder that you have Jesus, that your eyes have seen your salvation, man, that, that's the best reminder we're ever going to get. I could hear it for the rest of my life, and it's not enough. So let's hear that today, and I pray that God would put a song in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you so much. God, you are kind, you are generous. God, that you made a specific promise to Simeon that before he died, he would see his Savior and then he sees Jesus. And his eyes are opened. God, you're so kind to Simeon. Simeon's not special, Lord. We know that. He's not special. He has the same spirit in him that is producing this beautiful outward working, this sanctification, Lord, but he's not special. He's not unique. All of us today have seen Jesus. God, he's been presented to us, and I pray that our eyes would be opened, that it would stir in us a song. A song of hope, a song of joy, a song of peace, a song of love. We thank you that we can sing with Simeon. We can rejoice in the Lord, our Lord. But I pray that today, if there's any that are hearing this, and you're knocking on their heart's door, Lord, that they would respond with joyful song. That they would believe by the power of the Holy Spirit that the salvation that Jesus has worked through his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, Lord, that that is available to them, and that they would lay hold of it and say, my life is not my own, I've been bought with a price. Jesus did that for me. God, and I pray that each one of us would say that today. Thank you for the gift of communion, that we get to remember who you are and what you've done. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.